What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Ombre Gaming Podcast, episode 14. I am your host, Manny, and as always, I am here with two cool guys. Just the coolest. Matt and Steve, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Having a, a nice little day here today. Been playing some new games that I'm looking forward to talking about in our first segment. Ooh, little Ooh, tease, little foreshadowing. Tease. Spoilers. Um, whoa now. Whoa, whoa. But yeah, so looking forward to talking about some of those. What about you, Matt? We're we're in the same city right now. Do you feel my presence? I do. We are in the same city, but in different locations, which is so sad. Well, for forks. Well, well forks. all you forks listening from all you forks and tools out there, we're here bringing you live the podcast talking about hammers. Sporks and butter knives. <laughs> well, folks, for this episode, we have some exciting things to talk about. We're going to kick it off with a little session of Pass the Sticks, where we will go around the group and talk about the games that we've been playing in recent days. And then after that, the topic of today's podcast is game reviews. Obviously, as gamers, we consume a lot of reviews. We also write them. But we do have some things we want to talk about in regards to what we think works for game reviews, what we think doesn't really work so well, you know, what makes a good game review, what makes a bad one, etc., etc. So that'll be an exciting conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But before we do any of that, let's keep the house. First up on housekeeping, follow us on social media. We are at Ombra underscore gaming on the Twitter machine and we are at omra gaming on instagram what's our twitch manny our twitch technically not social media but i'll let that one slide oh my god our twitch is twitch.tv slash omra underscore gaming we've been streaming almost every day uh throughout these weeks so come watch us and and laugh at how bad some of us are wink wink you guys know who i'm talking about uh next up on housekeeping check out our discord community so we opened a discord server uh at the beginning of the year and we've had some great people join we have uh really good conversations going out pretty much all day and all night um and we actually had a really fun cards against humanity sort of community game night which was great and that was you know we pulled a lot of the folks from our discord server and that was a blast so come check us out the the invite is actually posted in our twitter bio so you can check it out there in a similar vein we have a phone number now so you can call us give us your thoughts about podcasts articles whatever you want to talk about and you might be featured in a podcast episode or in an article so that number is three four seven five zero nine five six two zero and guys big news we've had our second voicemail (gasps) really all right yeah we will get to his voicemail at the end of housekeeping next on keeping the house this episode, as always, is brought to you by the fine folks at Insert Coin Clothing. If you're not familiar, Insert Coin Clothing has amazing gamer gear. If you want to look good while playing video games and you want people to know that you play video games, which you should, check out InsertCoinClothing.com. And on top of that, our supporters, our listeners, our readers get an exclusive 15% off deal. So use the code OMBRAIC18. So that's O M B R A I C. 18 the number 18 not the word it's too long it'd be too long and you can get 15 percent off your next purchase does not apply to bundled items or items that are already on sale you know what's good i'm a bundle item and i'm on sale so that's all i got for housekeeping now let's get to this message yes, um let's. i think it was, a, it was a pretty cool message that um can spark some interesting conversations so so let's give it a listen okay right. let's give it a listen hey guys this is manny from Ombra gaming um I just want to talk about something that's really important to me. Uh, I think a lot of people are hating on Soldier 76, and <laughs> stop it, guys. All right, he's a good character. 
He's got depth. All right, he's really formidable in battle. All right, he's got a sweet visor. Enough. Seriously, guys, stop. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. I think that was a really powerful message. I, I'm going to jump in right away and say, you know, I know you're you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but this Manny kid sounds like a real turd. I don't know. I think he's got a really powerful message. You know, hashtag stop soldier shaming is a global movement. Maybe it'd be cool if that Manny kid would stop using Soldier 76 all the time, so that way other new players to the game could try Soldier 76 and see if maybe they like him. Didn't you try him yesterday? No, I didn't. Is Every time I went to him, he was That's already taken. I played Reaper. I played D.Va. Reese played Reaper. Uh, played Soldier 76 thrice if i remember correctly i, I think it was always or maybe zero times it was a blur anyways back to the real matter here soldiers are great hero and everybody should love and respect him that's it for keeping the house let's get to pass the sticks so who wants to go first maybe you should go first soldier yeah you should go first that's the choice i'll go first so uh right off the bat overwatch i've been playing a lot of overwatch i'm excited about the new skins they were dropped today is the new map today as well Blizz, blizzard world yes that that that's released today as well awesome i'm excited for that unfortunately i am in new york city and i only have my switch i didn't bring my ps4 which is okay but i'm looking forward to getting back and getting back into overwatch because i love it so so much uh beyond that i went back to ruiner which was an interesting move i hadn't played that game in like maybe a month and change now um i got stuck at this one level when i first started playing it and I'm still stuck at that level. I played maybe two hours of it a while ago, maybe last week, and it didn't go well. So I'm still there, but I do love the art and I love the vibe of that game. How much time have you put into Ruiner overall? Not much. I want to say four hours. And it's not a very long game, so I think I'm like at least at the halfway point. But it is a great game, and like really the whole reason I got it was to get me even more excited for the top-down stuff that I saw in hong kong massacre from from paris games week so hopefully that comes out sometime soon but i actually have no idea when that comes out beyond that by the suggestion of caleb from sasquatch armada which everyone should go love and appreciate i picked up darkest dungeon on switch and i gotta say i'm really into it but i also gotta say i'm really confused and very bad at it for those unfamiliar it's a turn-based rpg where you kind of crawl through these dungeons with a crew. You have to put together sort of a group to make it through these dungeons together and fight. Yeah, and and, and ultimately live. You know, like you want to have as many of your players in your group live and, and you want to get loot. And yeah, that's, that's basically what I've gleaned so far. But it's kind of confusing. I mean, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of menus. There's a lot of... Uh, there's just like a lot that goes into even setting up the expedition into these dungeons so there's a pretty steep learning curve especially for somebody who doesn't play a lot of um the turn-based stuff but i'm excited to like learn it because i feel like once i learn it i'll become obsessed with it and i always love when i become obsessed and like lost in a game like that and hideo kojima also just emailed me a copy of death stranding so i've been playing a lot of that um i actually beat it and it's very good he emailed it to me so the file size isn't even that big it's crazy <laughs> isn't it that is pretty crazy it's almost like it's like a 16-bit game or something i i'm i've signed an nda so i can't actually tell you but let's just say it is <laughs> and that's all i've been really playing and and uh, of course the the fifas and the rocket leaks out there i've been playing a lot of those as well sort of when i want to relax so that's it for me who wants these sticks i pick matt Oh, okay. So I 
I downloaded The Witcher 3 because it was on sale, and I got the two expansion packs, which I didn't have on the Xbox version. So I'm restarting The Witcher 3, which is daunting because the game's so long, and I was probably about, say, a third of the way through, or close close to a half of the way through the game. So and now I'm starting over. <laughs> but now I'll be streaming it Monday nights, so you can join me on my journey through The Witcher again. You said Wednesday nights? No, Mondays. Mondays. And where can they find you? At the Twitch channel that you told them to go to earlier. All right, you were supposed to, like, say it. You are supposed to be like, <laughs> twitch.tv slash umbra underscore gaming. Not like, I don't know, the fucking channel that you said before. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm talking about twitch.tv forward slash umbra dot, uh, umbra underscore <laughs> shit gaming. <laughs> Do you even work here? Uh, okay, so you've been playing a lot of Witcher. What else? Anything uh, else? Not that much. And just Overwatch and League. League's new season is out, so you can redo all of your placement matches and get ranked. In Overwatch, I'm plat, so get out of here. Wait, you're platinum in Overwatch? Yeah. Why are you surprised? What are you, bronze? I'm fucking silver, dog. So that's what you've been playing. Who should we pass these sticks to then? I think I'll go with Steve. Yeah, I've actually uh, played a few... Played a few different games recently. To start off, I played episode four of the Telltale Batman um, Enemy Within today because it was released today. Episode five is going to be the last one, so it has a good setup for um, the nice little last stretch run that you're going to go on. I enjoy those games. It's always fun to kind of play as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, It's definitely just kind of playing through cinematics most of the time, which is quick time events. But at the same time, it's just a completely unique Batman story. The best way to put it is like Harley Quinn definitely seems like she's the mastermind behind the Joker and all this. I'm still waiting for like the eventual twist to be like, oh, is the Joker dicking you around the entire time which is probably going to be the reveal at the end of episode five but this is the telltale you said yeah this is uh season two it's been a lot of fun this episode the episodes always feel short it always feels like just like a quick hour and a half which is kind of a drag because like once you get into it you just want to keep playing and then all of a sudden you're like oh it's the end of that episode so now you're gonna wait like a month or a month and a half till the last episode comes out but overall it's been a fun time so i'm looking forward to how they close it out with episode five also, I've got into the Overwatch bandwagon cult that has been created by all you folks. It's it's a lot of fun, though. I've, I've actually enjoyed my time in the game. It's also great because we've been playing with a crew the entire time. So I, it's always like three or four of us going at the same time, which makes it a lot more fun. We got to get you to 25 so you can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to rank up more. I got I to gotta definitely rank up more. I'm still kind of trying to find my groove. Like, I've I've rotated between, um, like, Arisa, Diva. Farah, I enjoy Farah a lot. I just used Widowmaker for the first time yesterday. I enjoyed her. Oh, Arisa is a great tank. Arisa's awesome. Because once you once you just keep throwing down the shield, it's awesome because you can get a ton of points just absorbing damage from that thing. Yeah. Diva's like once I started figuring out how to use Diva um, with the help of Caleb last night, he was giving me some good tips. She became a lot more fun. I'm finding a lot of functionality in the fact that she can fly vertically yeah yeah like i think that like for some reason that doesn't always click in my head when i play diva and then i remember that i can do it and i become a lot more effective but farah is a lot of fun once you figure out how to spend as little time on the ground as farah she becomes yeah. a lot of fun for um, sure. so i've been having a good time with that game i'm glad i picked it up um got it pretty yeah. cheap too because um traded in a game and picked up that one so it worked out pretty well you should check out uh you should watch some overwatch league yeah, I, 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 I probably tomorrow. will. Yeah, I probably will. Playing Tomb Raider, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, I'd pick that up on Black Friday. 
only about an hour and a half in right now, but already it's had just numerous jaw-dropping scenes. Like, the cinematics in that game are incredible. There's a nice crafting element, which is cool. It kind of has more of an open-world feel than the Uncharted games, uh, because it actually gives you a reason to explore a little bit more. And then, of course, uh, I just stumbled upon, like, my first tomb that I'm starting to go into now. Like, the optional tombs that you can go into... So those games are a blast, and then by the time people listen to this, my article have already been published, the Who You Got with Nathan Drake and Lara Croft. So I want to ask you guys, who would you take, Nathan Drake or Lara Croft? I would I would have to say Lara Croft only because like I grew up playing a lot more of those games. Um, I didn't really get into Uncharted until A Thief's End, and I enjoyed that game a lot, and it was like sort of a different experience than what I started with in Tomb Raider. I haven't obviously played the latest one, but I imagine like... It can be, I'm sure there are a lot of similarities between Uncharted and the latest Tomb Raider, um, but just because of my affinity of like the early PlayStation days of Lara Croft and Tomb Raider, I would probably side with her. That being said, I think that's only if we're talking about like survival, action, exploration. If we're talking about like who I just want to chill with, Nathan Drake has got loads of great jokes. He's a witty he guy. He is very witty. <laughs> He's a very witty guy. At the same time, I feel like uh, Lara Croft would be a fun time, too, because her stories would probably be truly remarkable. Been a good time. So, like I said, I've been playing a lot of games. I've been busy, but it's good. Good busy. Yeah, you sound busy. Jeez. I'm like, I'm playing The Witcher, and you're like, I'm playing five billion games at once. And it's funny because I think this is the first time where I have, like, the last, like, two years, really, have been the first time where... I and probably you guys as well have been able to like afford a lot of games yeah. and multiple mm-hmm. systems. And so for the first time I'm like, oh fuck, I got the Switch, I got my PS4, I got the PC. Like I, I, what do I play? And then like, you know, naturally some games take the back burner, but it feels nice. Like just now I took the 4-hour train ride to New York City and I was playing my Switch. I was playing Thumper, I was playing, you know, Breath of the Wild and then I'll go home and play Overwatch. It's nice to be able to have such a spread. I can play games anywhere and everywhere. I it's, love it. it's very enjoyable. And I still have Wolfenstein 2 to eventually play. Oh my god, jeez. Well, yeah, we've been we've been busy playing video games, but I'll tell you what we're never busy enough to not do. Did that make sense? You know what we always have time for? Reading game reviews. I'm constantly reading game reviews, although more often than not I'm I'm re- I'm watching them on YouTube. I really like some of the reviewers that are out there that are breaking down these games. Um, Super Bunny Hop is one of my favorites, personally, because it goes super in-depth, almost to the point of too high of a level of analyzation where you get bogged down in the details. But that's what we're here to talk about today, guys. Game reviews. What works? What doesn't? What do we like about them? How do we think we can make them better? And uh, ultimately, why we are we three are the best game reviewers in the market. Yeah, that's actually journalists. That's actually the heart of this conversation is the fact that we're better than everyone else out there. So oh we're gonna God. let it be known right now. If you want to, you want to talk game reviews, you got to get through Steve. If you want to get to me, you want to get through to Christine and O'Neill. You got to go through all three of us. Yeah, and you don't want to do that. Mm-mm. Anyway, so the way it's gonna work is that each of us are going to sort of present two questions to the group, and we're going to have a little bit of a, of a group discussion. So with that, why don't we go ahead and start with you, Steve? I guess we could probably do that. When you kind of start talking about game reviews, one of the first things that always jumps out at me is what goes into the rating scale? Because I feel like that's what everybody just jumps to. I feel like um, most of the time what people will do is they'll kind of skim through the words, kind of just look for the sections that might jump out to them, but they really want to get to the end so they can see what the rating was. But what the hell is the rating based off of? What is the difference between a 7 out of 10 
in a six out of ten? Really, what what is your your grading criteria? What are you actually giving points for to actually arrive at this just number that you threw at the end of the article? It just feels like most of the time, uh, graded reviews are just completely arbitrary, so they can throw it down, and that way you can have the Call of Duty graphic running during a big sporting event saying, 9 out of 10, 9.5 out of 10, 9 out of 10 for all these magazines. But what does it really actually mean? And I know we had talked about this in our Discord chat, and Reese had brought up a good point that the grading scales themselves are ridiculously long because anything below like a seven is a bad score yeah right seriously because very few times when you get a six you're gonna be like oh man glad we got that six if you get below a seven you're technically looked at as a failure because even sevens are like well that's just kind of like average at this point they're they're a good game nothing great but anything below that is garbage so why not just do if you're really if you're hell-bent on throwing these ratings at the end of these stick with just zero to five or even zero to three i I think a lot of people have they remember grades in school and they instantly equate a seven with like a c and a c in school was like not a good grade when in actuality when you're rating a video game and you're using a scale like a five would be this game is an average game because it's in the middle of the scale whereas a 10 would be like the most amazing fucking game you've ever played right and a one would just be trash so like a five really should be this is an average game some people will enjoy it some people won't enjoy it but that's not how our brains are have been trained since elementary school you know and i think a big part of it for me is or or a big part of why the one through ten doesn't always land for me is because like you said steve that's too much of a range and that it like it almost puts more pressure on me so for example if i'm like all right i want to know if this new tomb raider game is good i go to whatever ign or whatever other review site that has a number scale and they're like it's an eight and a half ten is is definitely buy it one is definitely don't buy it that starts like the wheels turning in my head being like all right man like what are all those factors that go into getting it to that seven that eight and a half yeah exactly you know what i mean and so like it creates it creates a much broader spectrum of what i have to consider and at the same time it's like oh man if all of those factors all those 100 200 300 whatever number of factors got it to that eight and a half what are those remaining factors that are holding it back right and maybe they sort of break it down but they usually break down maybe two or three cons they only break down a few of the things that prevented it from getting a 10, which r- very rarely happens. Um, and so I think it creates this... It, if you give me more to consider, I'm going to be more hesitant to buy it. But like if we, if we do a 1 through 3, where 1 is don't buy it, 2 is buy it if it's on sale, and 3 is buy it no matter what, then the decision is basically made for me. If I'm already going to IGN, if I'm already going to a website and I'm trusting their review and they say buy it, I'm going to buy it. If they say don't, I probably won't, right? So the number thing is confusing, especially when it's such a wide range. I feel like that doesn't help. That just gives me more questions than answers. I mean, I just don't trust a number scale system in general. Like, I wouldn't buy a a game based on a review that it was all geared towards a number at the end. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you do... And obviously, apples to oranges in a way, but do you do the same thing for hotels? Do you do the same thing for restaurants? Like, do you, are number ratings? Yes, important to me. Yeah, because those are crowdsourced. Those are crowdsourced by hundreds to thousands of people. This is one author using their own impression of what a number scale is and putting a a number on it, you know? 
Yeah, because it's literally just an average of all the people who rated it. So it's a completely different scenario. Yeah. And I think there's this concept of like reasonable expectation. Like when I go to, like I'm in a hotel right now. When I come to this hotel, I expect there to be a bed. I expect there to be a desk. I expect there to be a bathroom with a toilet and a shower, you know, and a sink. Whereas with video games, expectations can be wildly different depending on the game, the genre, the publisher, everything, right? So it's hard to, like, I, I would trust a number of you for a hotel because we're all looking for the same thing. Whereas gamers are looking for drastically different things. And that's why, that's why I sent you guys that donkey video on game reviews. Uh, I would say one of his, the biggest things that jumped out in that video was how the words in the article didn't reflect the score at the end of it. Like, they would have authors shredding games in a game review, and then at the end, oh, look, we gave it a nine, though. <laughs> so then literally you're saying, what the hell are you basing this off of? Your words and your numbers aren't matching up, so show me a criteria of what you're actually grading these games off of. It'd be, it'd be more helpful and probably more trusted, and some websites do this, but if they broke it down in categories, they said, although, like, IGN does do it, they do presentation... I think they do story. I haven't watched one of those in a while, but like if you broke it down to even more specific categories, then maybe I could buy in a little bit more. But it'd be nice to have some transparency about these about these criteria. Yeah. The other point that Donkey makes in the video, which I think is just spot on, is that like content creators, whether they're an author on a blog site or something like that, they have certain preferences and their audience over time learns what those preferences are and either identifies with those preferences or or don't so like i'm a person that likes rpgs so like i'm gonna read folks who also like rpgs and i'm gonna probably assume that they have a better grasp on what makes a good rpg and i'm gonna trust their review more than i trust someone else so like donkey i know he totally loves almost everything nintendo does and he loves platformers and he loves mario and like he's always gonna love those things and will he not like first person shooters and stuff like that would i trust his word on those things probably not i'd go to someone else for those things yeah and i think having that context around who the reviewer is is really important for the record i'm going to put the link to that donkey video in the show notes so people can can check it out when they listen to this but um he talks about how you have you know four different reviewers or you have four different employees of ign saying four different things about the same exact game that creates a lot of confusion that being said i think if those reviewers and those people who work for ign or whoever and we're not specifically picking on ign we're sort of saying this as like a general market thing but if each of those people had the ample opportunity to create that context and create those preferences and make sure that those are transparent then great that's fantastic then i know joe schmo from ign is really into turn-based stuff and i know jill jack from ign is really into (laughs) is really into fucking strategy games right so um, but they don't allow that. They don't have that those kinds of platforms. They get, like, I think in, what, last year or the year before, there was, like, almost 40 reviews that came out throughout the year, and you have a different writer on each one. Um, so we never actually get that context. So let's keep it moving. Why don't we, why don't we do one question each, because it seems like we're kind of diving deeper into each of these questions, um, which I'm totally fine with, but I don't want to get... I feel like that one kind of answered both of mine, because my other one was just, like, what makes yeah. a game review, but I mean, I, yeah. I feel yeah. like we expressed those, those same thoughts, because we were talking about what you put into it, what you rate on, and basically your perspective on the style of games you play. That's what you're going to get. Like, that's what makes a game review. It's going to be very objective. Um, Yeah, I'm just framing it so that people are like, I thought he said two questions. So I'll go ahead and sort of put out out my question here. And this is, 
you can take this as like a personal question or sort of how you see things sort of playing out in the field of people who actually write these reviews. Uh, how do you weigh gameplay mechanics versus the visuals in terms of how heavily they affect your, your sort of take on the game or your rating? I thought a lot about this question today, and I think for me, when one is it becomes a problem for me when one of them is so bad that it negatively impacts the other. Like if I'm playing Dark Souls, which doesn't have the best mechanics if you're not used to that and if you're not into those kinds of mechanics. If they were so bad that the visual that I couldn't actually appreciate the visuals because they were so broken or they impacted the way that I was able to sort of like consume the way the worlds looked then that would be a problem for me. And similarly, if it had really beautiful mechanics, I look at a game like uh, For Honor, right? Uh, For Honor, I love the mechanics in that game. I think the combat system is really actually flawless almost. That being said, it's coupled with like beautiful stages and beautiful level design. So I think if one of them wasn't very well polished, it would detract from the other one and it would make that a problem for me. So I think, I don't know, as long as both of them are like within range of each other, then like we're good when they sort of get out of that threshold, that's when it becomes an issue for me. And that would impact how I, how I view the game for me on this. I think I would give the slight edge to gameplay mechanics, meaning a little bit more, for example, like I would sacrifice a little bit on the visual side of wildlands to know that I'm not going to glitch into like a rock or get stuck behind a door that makes me quit the game and restart it. So like if I get, you know, a little bit less of a rendered, tree but at the same time i know i'm not going to experience those headache gameplay glitches that'll take you out i'd sacrifice that i would i'd I'd put gameplay a little bit more on uh, the important scale than visuals i i'd put more stock in gameplay mechanics yeah that's fair i mean like that points to the fact that you're not crazy about getting into dark souls right because the mechanics are such that they are a turnoff for somebody like you um what about you matt What's your take on this sort of weighing out visuals and, and mechanics? I don't know. I think they're both just individual aspects of gaming. I don't necessarily know that you can pit them against one another instead of just looking at them as two separate aspects of a video game. Well, it's not necessarily that you're pitting them against each other, but you know, like how much would the, each of them sort of weigh in how you take a game? Sure. I think for me, uh, mechanics would also slightly edge out visuals also because I, I think visuals can be more subjective sort of like art or something like that where like <laughs> some people really like that like blocky minecraft and all that sort of style i absolutely hate it yeah, like i yeah. despise it i don't like it at all yeah um, some people really like cell shading i actually i also love cell shading but yeah, the Telltale games all do it. Yeah, so I think the visuals is just more subjective, whereas mechanics can be more... Like, the mechanics are either good or they're bad, right? Yeah, exactly. There's, there's like, some middle ground there, but they're either good or they're bad. And so I, th- I, I think... Hey, that, man, maybe some people out there like shitty game mechanics. I mean, yeah, it's possible. What's that What's that game with the giant... Shadow of the Colossus, doesn't that have notoriously bad mechanics, but, like, everyone loves the game, right? Yeah, so. we'll have to wait... Uh, two more months to, to see that. So, Matt, I actually know the question that you've prepared, and I think it's a particularly interesting one because you've had some, let's just say, experiences with this debate in particular. So why don't you go ahead and, and let the listeners know what your question is. My question is, how much of a game would a person need to complete in order for your review of that game 
to be credible asking for a friend asking for a friend steve you go first it's tough because i i don't necessarily think you have to actually complete every little thing in games um like for example I didn't do the fourth act of Shadow of War, but I still think I had plenty of ammunition to write a review on it. Because I think there's ways that you can balance out anything that you missed in the game. Because, I mean, you can find cutscenes. So if it's really story-driven that you missed, you can just watch the cutscenes online, figure out what happened, what you missed. But honestly, for the most part, I do think you need to finish the majority of the game. Uh, If you can finish the main quest... I think whatever game line you're doing, because I know now a, a lot of games have like side quests and everything. It's all open world. Everything just keeps trying to do these open world style games. So you get more side quests, which begs the question, do you need to complete all those? I don't think so. I think once you complete the main storyline in any game, that gives you enough to actually run review as long as you dabble in all the other side options. So that way you can see what the missions are like. I think there is a threshold there's there's a point at which you should get through the game in order to give a proficient overview of it in a perfect world yes you finish all of it i think we should like as we as we go forward i think we should finish games before we write reviews that's just not going to always be the case i think steve to your point you should play all the parts enough that you feel comfortable giving an opinion on them like for example I played Ghost Recon Wildlands, the campaign and the PvP. Did pretty much everything there is to do in PvP. Um, I didn't do everything you were supposed to, that there is to do in in the campaign. That being said, I've done every kind of mission. I've gotten every kind of weapon. You know, I've gone to all the kinds of locations, right? And so there aren't any parts of the game that are going to be completely new. Um, that being said, if you if you I, I think you just need to be very transparent when it comes to story like i don't know how ghost recon wildlands ends i don't know what it's like to go capture el sueño or, or take him out or whatever you do so in the in the review i'm not going to be like what a great story from beginning to end it's fantastic or it's shitty right um and so i think you we just need to get in front of that kind of stuff i forget which game it was but one of the games one of the reviewers and games that donkey mentioned in his video one, the, the reviewer played it for 15 minutes and stopped and then wrote a review on it saying how bad it was. Um, and, like, you're just not going to get a feel for the game unless it's fucking Pong. It, that's just, that's definitely not enough. Um, I think that's a good example of just not enough to get a, an actual feel for the game. So, yeah, again, you know, in a perfect world, you complete it. In an almost perfect world, you expose yourself to every element of the game, which doesn't always necessarily correlate with completing it. Far Cry is another good example. Um, you can hit every area except for one. You still know what that last area is going to be like. So yeah, any closing thoughts, guys? So much for my opinion. Yeah, jeez, Manny. Well, look, I only get through half of our topic of the pod before I feel comfortable <laughs> telling people that we're done. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, the only thing I'll say is that I think that if you've played like eight hours of a game, like literally a day at work for us nine to fivers or ten to sixers that is a full day of work if you've played that much of a game you can you can comment on mechanics gameplay visuals voice acting music you can comment on all of those things and that be a valid opinion will you know how the story ends no you will not if it's a long game right so you can't comment on like the length of the story or how the story was or da 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 but so for example witcher you look at the witcher 3 you, you said it was a really long game you play and you play 10 hours of it an extended work day of witcher and you have 
all you talk about the mechanics, the voice acting, the music, the the graphics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, save the story. You talk about everything but the story. Is your review complete? Like, shouldn't shouldn't the shouldn't the story and its implications and its flow, etc., be a huge part of your take on that game? Yes, because it's an RPG, and one of the central aspects of an RPG is the story. Yeah, with with a game like that, yeah, that's one of those ones where I feel like you do have to put in a substantial amount of time to feel comfortable yeah. writing a complete review on it. Yeah. Right, right. Especially when you know beforehand. I think the base game of that is like at least. Oh, let me just look it up first. <laughs> How many hours in The Witcher 3? <laughs> okay, so you know going into The Witcher 3 that the base game, without the expansion packs, that's at sort of around like 70 hours of content. So like if you know the full game is 70 hours and you've played 10 and you want to write a review, then like you're writing a review on one-seventh of the right. story. Right. So I think that's a different... I don't think most games have... 70 hours worth of story you know that makes sense i mean i guess then it becomes like a case-to-case situation you know i look at the overwatch article i wrote not necessarily review it was just sort of my overview of my experience a month in knowing that there are endless hours of that game that i can play granted the story is pretty straightforward and has been out there since this since the launch of the game you know, two years ago almost now, but I think also framing framing the opinions differently as an overview or an experience, not necessarily a review because it's a different kind of ball game. I was just going to say, there's also no story in Overwatch. Well, it's this. It's a story around. Overwatch. It's around. There's no like story mode with a plot line yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 There's the, the story that came sort of before it. Yeah. So yeah, any closing thoughts? What do, you, what, what do you guys want our listeners to remember? I think it'd be great for them to let us know what they look for in reviews as well. Um, Call our voicemail number. Yeah, let us know what you look for in reviews. Leave a voicemail. What's the number again, Manny? 8675309, I believe. That's not it. That's not it. Steve, that number is 347-509-5620. Yeah, so Standard all you fine folks, fees apply. leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you look for in reviews. Uh, one of my, I guess, parting pieces of advice is just look for people who write reviews, who definitely kind of fall into a category of games um, that you would play yourself. Because like I said, you're, you don't want to take someone's opinion. Like I wouldn't want to read an article written by Manny about a Dark Souls review because it wouldn't really apply to me just because we have different views on that game franchise. So find somebody who kind of meets what you look for in a game because then you stand more likely of listening to an opinion that's actually going to lead you down the right path for the games that you're looking to get. Swipe right on a, on a game review author you like. Yeah, I think um, just push yourself to find reviewers that actually go into a higher level of granularity that you can come out with more information just inform yourself fuck that's all i'm saying and i think another actually another piece of advice go to youtube there are so many content creators that are amazing that are putting out videos on youtube super regularly and because they're not employed by ign or kotaku or metacritic or what have you they might not necessarily get in front of you so go to youtube check out some of those video reviews you know it's a good strategy too actually that i would suggest to people is uh donating to our patreon nope we don't have one go on twitch look up the game you're interested and just find a streamer streaming it who is enjoyable for you to watch and actually just watch them play the game that's what i do sometimes and it helps a lot well folks i hope you enjoyed our conversation about game reviews like steve said let us know hit us up on twitter hit us up on the voicemail join our discord join the conversation we'd love to have you 
wherever you're listening from, wherever you are, we appreciate you and we will talk to you very soon. Well, actually, time out. Can you share your experience? Or unless you don't want to. No, I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about it. That that same Redditor is going to hear this and be like, that motherfucker. And don't fucking talk to us about how long you need to play a fucking game to write a fucking review.